Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Podcast 48 is sponsored by WordSprint, your quality connection to your tribe. Hi, this is Paul Lemberg, and I want to welcome you to Orchestrating Success with Hugh Ballou. This podcast is all about ways to redefine leadership as a pathway to increasing your business or nonprofit income. Now, here's Hugh with today's session. Well, here we are. It's session 48. Today's interview is a really special one. I have studied the work of Napoleon Hill for many, many years. And just south of me in Virginia is the Napoleon Hill Foundation. I spent some quality time with Don Green, the executive director and president of that foundation. And not only does he utilize the philosophies and wisdom of Napoleon Hill in his professional career in many businesses that he championed, but he uses those to run the Napoleon Hill Foundation. This interview was was very, very informative for me, as I hope it will be for you. This is part one of a two-part interview. Part two is on the other podcast for Center Vision Leadership Foundation, the other podcast you can find on iTunes. It's called The Nonprofit Exchange, and that's more of the how-to running a, a foundation, what we call a nonprofit, using business principles. This podcast is very enlightening with some really great stories about Napoleon Hill and about Napoleon Hill's legacy. So enjoy. This is my interview with Don Green from the Napoleon Hill Foundation. We're going to talk to people who are out there who have heard about Napoleon Hill. I've never been to Wise, Virginia. Let me introduce Don Green. We're sitting in his desk, and he's surrounded by books, and he's surrounded by history of Napoleon Hill. And I've been a student of Napoleon Hill's work for many, many years and didn't know within what we call the Commonwealth of Virginia, down the road from me is this great resource with Don Green and the Napoleon Hill Foundation. And we're going to share some wisdom that, that you've gathered over the years yourself and you've used. We just came back from lunch and we went by this marker. So Don, Tell them what that marker was about, that we, we did a, a, a quick post on it and shared that. Well, I was working in the banking business. I just uh, had traveled across the state and all. I'd see these historical markers, and it just came to me. Well, they should be one honoring uh, Napoleon Hill. My first contact with the uh, historical society was, well, we don't do stuff like that for people that write books. So I said, okay, thank you. I got in touch then with the uh, politicians, and found out who all sat on that board of uh, the historical that decided where they would put markers up in the state. 
you know, they got markers all across the state. Maybe George Washington slept here at a battle of something other, so forth and so on. And they were historical markers. And uh, uh, so uh, I uh, got a list of the people and, and I started calling them trying to, and I, I don't know, I got two, three or four of the board members and they said, you know, we'll discuss it. So finally I got a hold of a guy up in the central part of the state and he said, Mr. Green, I read that book, had a great influence on my life. I said, you don't need to do nothing else. He said, I'll take it to the board and I'll see it gets done. And so uh, I thought it was great to put a marker up. And, you know, like I had people from Macedonia I have a couple of three weeks ago. That's the first thing I want to see. I had people from, uh, I've had people from Macedonia, Taiwan, uh, Malaysia, Brazil, China, uh, you, you name it. It's been here and they always want to see the marker because it, it is historical. And it's the only one erected in the state of Virginia honoring an author. So it's quite an honor. And they publish a catalog that uh, each one of these markers are assigned a, a, a number like K32 or something or other. But you can you can take that book they print and you can if you look up in the index, you can get look up Napoleon Hill and it'll tell you where a marker is. You can also look up the county and it'll tell you what markers are in that county and so forth. And it's a full page picture of that in the, in the, uh, in the, in the catalog. So, uh, uh, it's been good to us. I was president of chamber of commerce one year and I thought, well, that would look good on the cover of the brochure that goes out to everybody wanting to come to the area or travel to the area and find out about the County. So we had a picture of the marker put in the, uh, put in the brochure. So it served us well. Well, the, the marker was there alongside the road and it's an important marker. And, uh, we also went by one of the houses where Napoleon lived. It's a modest house for the the days he lived was uh, was so important. Let's um, we're going to do a two part interview here. We're just going to let the camera roll and let people on Facebook Live watch it, and it will end up in uh, the podcast called Orchestrating Success. That's for business people. So I want to talk about that piece first. It's it's what I call converting passion to profit, and I explore all the meanings of the word profit. If we don't respect how money flows and learn how money flows, um, that's, that's going to compromise any kind of business that we run. And you've been a banker. Um, you've, you've done lots of things. You've lived in Wise, Virginia all your life. So let's, let's talk a little bit about uh, what business leaders can learn from this wealth of information that uh, Napoleon Hill created. And we've all experienced um, Bob Proctor. Uh, Greg Reed speaks about Napoleon Hill. Um, Jim Rohn said this is one of the three essential books you need, the Bible, Think and Grow Rich. And as a man <laughs> thinketh, he said that those are the essential books. You talked about working with Anthony Robbins and, and Zig Ziglar. There's so many people that have influenced others that if you go back to the root, there's Napoleon Hill. So what are some of the most profound or important lessons that business people need to take away from the, the vast knowledge base that you have here of Napoleon Hill? Well, I think to be successful, uh, the principles haven't changed. I think the way we go about it, it probably has it. If uh, people have more choices out in the workplace than they once did, they don't have a tendency to necessarily go work for someplace and work 40 years and get a watch and a little pension check and quit. I think people are, are more independent and um, they're more creative. And, uh, but I think the things of the principles is starting off with deafness of purpose. It's amazing that people have no idea and you can't be as he'll said a tumbleweed all your life. It's, 
find a way to, to uh, develop your purpose, what your passion is, and whatever. But you don't want to be 50 years old thinking about what you're going to do. Uh, you know, you should have some uh, goals in mind. And under the chapter on desire, he laid out the six steps for riches, which is pretty pretty uh, explanatory. And the first one, of course, is definiteness of purpose. Mm-hmm. He said starting point of all achievement. And the second one is plans. You know, you know, if you're going to travel somewhere or another, you got to make some plans. Mm-hmm. You know, you just don't start off going to California, but uh, from Virginia driving east. You know, you got to make some plans. And along the way, if you don't know the the answers, you get someone to help you. You seek advice of others. That's been where you want to go, and that's called the mastermind principle. But he laid these things out to guide us. Um, he, he often quoted Henley, who said, no man's an island. Uh, nobody does real well but just herself. You know, be, if you read the story of Van Gogh, his paintings valued over he died. After he died, was, nobody warned him. They gave him the Dutch government. They're worth more than a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. He saw one in his lifetime, and it was brought to him by his brother-in-law, I think. And evidently, he didn't have a mastermind. He had talent, but he didn't have a marketing group. He had no plan. For disbursement, he just loved to paint, and he painted. But uh, if he was going to make a living for it, he, he had to have a little bit more than that. He had to have the assistance of other people. He could have been painting while someone else was out marketing his uh, his product. Uh, so these uh, lessons to learn for uh, uh, businesses, uh, and most of them, I think, are, are, are really end up being successful. They have a definite plan to make a new product, to take a product and make it better, make it a better price, more competitive, what have you. And they implement those steps and they do it uh, through other people uh, because we can't do things all ourselves. and, and uh, selling the ideas to the people we're involved with that work with us and so forth. And, uh, and the principles uh, there, I mean, I read them every day. I just read book, uh, Billy Ray Cyrus, Everybody knows who the musician is. He was born close to here in, uh, in Louisville, Kentucky, and he's uh, thrown out of school uh, for taking a stray dog. In his, but he's trying to make it in baseball, and he's given a book. The book happened to be Think and Grow Rich. And if you read his book, it's called Hillbilly Heart. And uh, he said it was like God spoke to him. A voice said, well, Billy, why don't you start get you a guitar and start a band? He couldn't even play a guitar. But he, he bought a guitar, and he said initially they would get about 50 bucks for performing in nightclubs. He said rough places where there were a lot of drunks, uh, people carrying knives and guns and what have you. But he kept at it, and he kept going on and on about reading the Napoleon Hill of Persistence. He had an idea, and he thought he could make it work. It wasn't as simple as, of course, most people quit. They don't stick with things. Mm-hmm. That's how we developed the book Three Feet from Gold, that story. Oh. Now that how is Greg Reed? Excuse me for interrupting. How's Greg Reed connected with Three Feet from Gold? Charlie, I started the book and had the idea. Uh, Charlie Jones, uh, who was oh, a yes. good, tremendous Charlie, tremendous Charlie. Uh, Greg and I attended some of our stuff, and and Charlie put his hand on my back and he said, "Don, could you think you could have a project that you could involve Greg in with help him out?" Said so he needs some help, and so I pitched him on the Three Feet from Gold. And um, we got, I think we had 80 pages and uh, we thought it was enough to sell it. It wasn't. We had some interviews in New York and we couldn't get what we was looking for. And so uh, Sharon Lecter, who wrote all the Rich Dad, Poor Dad books, and by the way, she, like uh, Hugh, uh, Hugh, Hugh, she uh, did a book, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and publishers didn't want it. 
So she printed it, loaded her car down, and got out and pedaled it. Yeah. <laughs> then Time Warner gets in touch with her. And, you know, she ends up doing uh, co-authoring 14 Rich Dad Poor Dad books, which sold 35 million copies. So it's persistence. In one of Hill's speeches, he said, how many times on the average do people try something before they quit? And, of course, the audience would holler two, three, four different numbers. He said, no, I asked you the average. The average is less than one. He said, because most people never start. <laughs> and, and and so that that was a that was a that was a lesson in it is simply persistence. And whether it be uh, whether it be uh, 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 Edison on the light bulb ten thousand temps or ever what, uh, you know that was one of the important lessons. And uh, Billy Ray kept it. It kept sense. Now, he learned persistence from Napoleon Hill. And of course, we know he came out with achy breaky heart and made millions and millions. And then, of course, uh, he comes along. His little daughter starts singing. Uh, Miley Cyrus when she was three years old. Uh-huh. And you ought to read the book. It's very inspirational. But uh, he tells about his daughter, Miley, how she got her name, Miley. It was really Smiley, and they dropped the S off of it. And she'd been singing with him since she was about three years old, riding around in the car, singing at the top of her voice. But it's a wonderful it's a wonderful example. And, of course, I've, I've had habit. I read probably at least three or four books a week. And the one I read just recently was one of, I read several Steve Harvey's books. His last one is jump, which is simply means uh, take a chance. You have an idea, you got to do something with it. And uh, he gives some good examples. He sure. goes, we know Steve sure. Harvey. Yeah. That book, Thinking Grow Rich, was given to him when he was 15 years old. He didn't tell me, but one of the guys that works with him told me he'd read it, read it at least 25 times. So it had a tremendous influence on him, even as a 15-year-old. But I want to point out that Greg Reed, um, he's, he's the one that introduced us. Greg's going to be in this interview series uh, in, in a couple of months. And I know Sharon and, and her work, and we, we all sometimes speak in the same, same places, and they are, they are um, people of character, and they probably think I'm a character too. Well, but but um, I know those people, Greg Reed and Sharon Lecter, and they've both published a lot of stuff that's relevant. We're going to talk about uh, outwitting the devil in a minute. But let's go back to those six things, definiteness of purpose. And a plan. I'm a simple guy. I got to have those six of them. You know, it's my age and mental condition. Um, yes, deafness, purpose, plan. What are the other four? Well, you just just uh, under in, in order that they are. It's under the chapter on on the desire. Um, That's the one that that, that uh, uh, Napoleon Hill suggested uh, you read every day, isn't it? Uh, 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 yes. Um, uh, and he he lists them in their in their. Uh, it's, I'll, I'll just read the abbreviated form of it, but fixing your mind exact um, what, uh, what you desire and they said definite that's starting point of all you and second he said uh, he said it's plans he said what do you in turn to give uh-huh. for what you receive uh-huh. as Thomas Jefferson said saddest day in a person's life when they sit down and start figuring how they can get something for, for nothing uh, and uh, and he said you put a date to it otherwise I spoke one time and a lady said oh I have my goals I just don't write them down I said that's what we call dreams yes sir yes sir. a goal is written down it gives a date to it we may not accomplish it the fact is that putting that marker up I was a year late on that thing I when I started I didn't think I would run into the opposition I did I just thought they'd line up out there and just hell oh, we'll put that marker up it wasn't that simple I mean I talked to U.S. Senator before I got it done but uh any anyway uh uh, uh it needs a date to it, and it and if you get it later, if you sit out to be a millionaire by the time you're 40 and you're 45, I wouldn't exactly say you failed. You just wasn't accomplished on the time. But 
I told the students in the class, I taught keys to success, and I would tell them on the first night, we've got to talk about goals. I said, don't, like, don't say someday. Someday is a plot way of we lying to ourselves. Someday is not on the calendar. You check your calendar when you go home. When we say someday I'm going to start back to school, someday I'm going to, I'm going to start losing weight, some days I'm going to start, that day never comes. Correct. I said, we have to commit. And someday is a polite way of we line ourselves, someday I'm going to do this charitable work or someday. I said, we have to say today I'm doing this. I said, we got today, we don't have yesterday, we don't have tomorrow. But someday is not on the calendar. And I like to point out this: you teach the class. We're on the campus. Uh, your office is on the campus of uh, University of Virginia, the Wise Campus, and it's it's pretty impressive here. You you got a you got a lake out front, and you got all these modern buildings, and you you teach a class, and you you said you sign your paycheck, give it back to them because it, yeah, it's it's a passion for you. Well, you know, I was a bank president. I kind of fell odd taking teachers uh, what they pay for the class, and uh, didn't want to. Uh, take away from someone because I wasn't doing it is obviously I wasn't doing it for the money. Teachers don't make that kind of money. They don't make what they're worth. Most of them anyway. And, uh, but that's the reason we do the scholarships and I've been president of the foundation board for many years. And, uh, one year terms, they always see fit to leave me, leave me in. But our, our students last year graduated with the average lowest debt load of any four-year college in the United States. This is a significant fact, the lowest debt load of any college in the United United States. States. It's the University of Virginia here in Wise. Yes, published by the U.S. News and World Report. Got it. And uh, that's tremendous. And it's due to the fact is the money we've raised to endow scholarships. We're good stewards of it. We do not pay the money out. We pay out the earnings from the money. That's the reason uh, that we've been able to increase the money and people see that we're doing being good stewards of it and and uh, and and of course we have little donors middle bit donors just many many donors and we're fortunate to have some tremendous sized donors but they all add up but they all show a love for the college and the love of helping uh, students uh, get an education well, i would like to say don green that you model the principles that that you were probably teaching in that class so let me let me get my simple mind back or oh, so definite purpose is the first one Second one was a plan, and the third one is a date. A date, yes, sir. That's right. Otherwise, it's someday. Write it down. It's not a. It's not a plan. It's not a plan. It's not a goal. And, and then and the when is thing, it going to happen? That's a the next thing was the next one was we'll create a plan. Yep. yep. You know. You know. We're we're going to go by. We're going to we're going to uh, Blacksburg. We're going to go to Coburn. We're going to take fifty eight to Coburn to hit twenty three. We're going to hit the Interstate eighty one. We're going to go north, and we're visiting Hugh. I that's, figured that's out. Our, that's our plan. Thank God for GPS. And if they miss up somewhere, we have to take a door detour. I don't mean we turn around and go back. Right. That means we take the detour. Ah. It's like an obstacle. Yes. If we meet an obstacle, we can either let it stop us or propel us. But guess what? We get to make that choice. Nobody has to make that for us. You and I haven't talked about this. Yes, we. there's lots of forks on the road, lots of choices along the way. You and I haven't talked about this, but I did share with you I've created my own leadership methodology around transformational leadership, but all of these principles are embedded in my principles and teaching goals that came from the teaching of Napoleon Hill. And you know what? They work only if people work them. And so, yes. so we got, we got definite purpose. Where do you want to be? I'm, I need to tell you, I work with lots of leaders and lots of fields and very few people can give you that definite language of where they're going. That's a big yeah. deficit. And very few have a plan. And then the timeline, okay, it's going to happen someday. Well, that's a wish. So it's a commitment. Okay, those are three. 
keep going. I won't try well, to interrupt you. The, the other is a definite plan. Definitely. In other words, these are steps. Now, the plan, he says, was the plan does not have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. You can alter the plan. The main thing is having a plan and get it started and then make adjustments. As, uh, as Edison is a good example, he's do a light bulb. And some the film was burned out in a few seconds. He got light and burned out. So his plan was to bur- find something that went like, so he kept trying and trying and trying. So, so uh, it's a plan and getting started, getting started. Uh, a, a bad plan started is better than a good plan never implemented. And Edison tried 10,000 10, times. 10,000 times. And, 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 and a lot of us do it. And, uh, and that, that's right out of a clear statement. So you can read that statement of what you intend to do. And he said, read it day and night. So it becomes actually part of a subconscious. Someone asked me one time, how would you see the part as a particular thing? And I went through these steps and I said, and then all you got to do is you wake up with it, you have lunch with it, and you go to bed with it. And I said, if you do that, I mean, how in the world could you not do anything but succeed? And, uh, and of course, most people simply don't go through the steps or even don't get past the wanting thing. There's a difference in wanting something other than accomplishment. Uh, uh, but, and, and the last one, you, he, that's what he, I told you, and part of it was, was to read this thing aloud because it become a part of our subconscious. And, you know, I've had people tell me, you, uh, well, I read Thinking Grow Rich about 15 years ago. Why should I read it again? The material has not changed. It's the same as it's always been. But we have changed. We've listened to other people's interviews. We've been with other people. And we look at it in a perspective difference. If we read it when we was 20 and if we read it when we was 40, we see the material's the same, but we interpret it different. It means different things to us. And so I said, well, maybe you're smarter than I am. I said, when I was going to school, I learned my ABCs by repeating them. I learned my multiplication tables by repeating them. You, if someone walks up to you and says, what's six times six? It's in your subconscious, 36. You may have not used that since you're in the sixth grade. But once we repeat something, it comes a part of our subconscious. But guess what? So is bad things. We do things over and over till they become yes. a habit. But we got yes. the choice to yes. do that. And it's real simple. These things become habits. We make our habits then our habits make us. It doesn't mean they're for good habits or bad habits. Uh, you know, I mean, simple things like, if you already recall, just think when you put your shoes on in the morning. I will guarantee you, you've done the same thing thousands of times. You put the one sock on, you go to the other <laughs> one. And, and, and we, 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 at a certain point, we go brush our teeth, and we, don't, and we don't even have to think. We do it routinely because we've done it over and over and over. <laughs> And so it becomes a part of us, and uh, and we can basically same as do them automatically. Now, people would say, um, I, I find that people find a lot of excuses, which aren't reasons. There's a bit difference in reason and excuse, and they find lots of excuses not to write goals. I'm too busy. They find, well, what about these people that that Hill interviewed? The world was different then, and my response is the principles are the same, and so you've got these these very fundamental principles now. The other parts of his teaching are that what we're bringing to the world is, is something that's of value. We surround ourselves, the mastermind, with very competent people. And we all, always maintain the positive mental attitude, which you're talking about. Our conscious mind programs our subconscious, which really runs things. Right? Absolutely right. And I said, people said the materials change. That's another one of the excuses. 
That's, like that that's the reason you see this little sign on my desk says, if it is taboo, it's up to me. That's actually a quote out of a, out of a book I published. And, uh, and it's, it's, re it's, real, uh, it's, it's real simple because I told a graduate class at Rutgers the other day on a Skype interview I uh, did with a, with a class at Rutgers. Uh, they uh, was talking and uh, this and that and whatever. And I said, well, what we want to be careful in life is not become a victim. Uh, you can say, well, the reason I got no money, my wife spends it all. They're taking, <laughs> half, my, they're taking half my money for taxes. There's no opportunity today. And, and so if you feel, fall into that, once you become a victim, you're lost because you can never survive if you're, once you can, but it gives you excuses. But the trouble is with excuses, you have to make up different ones all the time. One day it's your wife, one day it's uh, uh, people dishonest, one day there's no opportunity, uh, you know, and uh, I said, all we need to do is look in the mirror and repeat, if it is to be, it's up, up it's to me. It's up to up me. me. Now your class was called the keys to success. Yeah. What's the story? These are these are keys. Uh, they What's were, the story? They were given to me by a, a, a devout follower of Napoleon Hill. Now, That's great. These are uh, these are real heavy. Yeah. Now, um, there's a couple of quotes. Whatever the mind can believe, can conceive, conceive and believe, can be achieved, and that's attributed to Hill. Yes. Now, when he was talking to Carnegie, um, Carnegie gave him a quote about goals. Can I take a stab at it, or do you want to well, say that? Any idea that's held in the mind, that's emphasized, that's either feared or revered, yeah. will begin at once to manifest itself into the it most is, convenient and appropriate physical form available. Yeah, yeah, that's is, that, pretty, is that close? That's pretty, that's pretty close. To, for good for an old guy. And it's a simple to us, to us people. It's uh, not too smart. Uh, we become what we think about, you know, good or bad. You know, that's a soundbite. We become yeah, what we, we think, think about. about. Yeah, 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 good or bad. That's know. scriptural too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, well, the the uh, the whole bit is, I mean, you know, the whole philosophy boils down to golden rule. Uh -huh. it, you know, without the golden rule, all of it's worthless. Uh, and following the following the golden rule uh, keeps us sanity. But you know, there's a book I'll do. I'll finish at uh, there's four uses of money. And somebody out there may dispute me on the thing, but I've studied money a long, long, long time. There's four uses of money. And the first one is, I use a quote from Eisenhower. The first one is for food and clothing basics. Uh, and and uh, President Eisenhower said, if all you desire out of life is food, clothing, and shelter, he said, just go to prison. Go to prison. They, they, give, you, they, give, they give you, life should be a little bit more than that. And the second reason is, Hugh and I, we're probably, you know, somewhere maybe 90, 92 or somewhere, we're, not, we're probably maybe not be able to get up and, and, uh, and, and travel and make speeches or whatever. It may be a little later, but uh, at least we'll probably all of us come to that day. That's the second reason we have money. The third one is, I would call it the good life. Down there, we went to a nice restaurant. And if, uh, if uh, Hugh goes home and his wife said, boy, there's a new restaurant here in Blacksburg. She said, it's expensive, but everybody's bragging about it. And Hugh has to say, well, first a month, we'll try to go and we'll get our Social Security check. So it takes some money to lead to good life, you know, to, to the transportation, to travel, uh, to eat, eat, and so forth. In other words, living, not just existing. That's the third use of money. The fourth use of the money, and when you fit into this fourth one, you can tell if you're successful or not. You've taken care of all the other three things that we've mentioned. The fourth one is you're now in a position financially to help others of your own choosing. You may want to help St. Jude's. It may be the Methodist Church, Presbyterian. It may be your college. It may be your grandchildren. But I think then the use of money has pretty well made its cycle. Guess what? 
most of the people is in the first one. They're visiting the payday loans. Uh, uh, they're living from one paycheck to the next, and uh, and they never reached the they never reached the fourth stage. I told that to my students, and I remember uh, one one uh, one guy was in my class, a little uh, Afro-American. Uh, and uh, he's a Muslim, had Muslim name, and but he was so interested in the material, and I kept encouraging him as the banking business. He'd come by and and, and uh, chat. So he goes off to Merlin, D.C. area, and gets a job. He starts sending back checks for the scholarships, and then he comes to ask to come to visit me during Christmas and so forth. And I asked him, I said, I've noticed you've been sending some checks in here for the scholarships. Well, said Mr. Green, said, I sit on the front seat. And you told us with uh, success, we would be helping other people. And he said, that's what I'm trying to do. So it's sad that most people never reach that stage in life or it never even dawns on them. You know, what can I do to make life better for someone else? That's a, that's an amazing story. I want to, um, I want to wrap this part of the interview up before we, and then I, I'm going to, this, this, this is, um, you're listening to this um, on the Orchestrating Success podcast. And there's the other podcast, uh, the Nonprofit Exchange. We're going to talk about charities and how the Napoleon Foundation runs. Before we do that, I'm intrigued by this manuscript that's sitting in front of us. Now, Napoleon Hill and his wife, after his death, didn't want to publish this because they feared it would be endanger somebody's life. So look at this manuscript, and it's it's typed. Can I show them the yeah. inside? It's typed on his typewriter. This is this is the original manuscript of what's the what's the what's the title? Outwitting the devil. And why is this important? Well, it's very important because it's dealing with fear, and and of course a, a term that I've used on the book was not actually in the book in the book, uh, but somewhere else was, and he described fear as a man-made devil. Our fears are of our own. Our fears are of our own own making, and but and as uh, as I was talked before is. Fear can do one or two things. It can either stop us or propel us. And and the example I would give, it's not in the book, an example I would give about fear, it doesn't matter where it's real or unreal. If it seems real to us, it's real. It has the same effect on our body. The little story of the little boy going by the graveyard, and he knows graveyards are, you know, at night, that's, that's something else. And he feels something on his neck, and he runs, and he runs, and he gets home, and he, he can't hardly talk, and his, his heart's a-pounding, and he's broke out in a sweat. I said, what's wrong? What's wrong? And he said, something got a hold of my neck, and it was nothing but his shirt got, collar got turned up, and he was rubbing his neck. Oh, wow. But in his mind, some, some a ghost or something got him, but to him, it was real. So if we perceive the, the fear, because we know that most of the things we fear never happen, and a few of them that do happen, uh, most of the time, there's not anything we can do about them. But we let those uh, we let those fears uh, uh, build on us, and we keep them. It's our which it's our untamed imagination. Uh, fear is at, uh, and it can destroy us. Well, you know, I said it can either it either stop us or propel us. But again, we have that choice. We, we can we can decide. We well, well, boy, I mean, I, I can give you. I'll give you a quick example of doing something another wrong and, and and learning from it. I dealt in art. You can see the. You can see some of the paintings on the wall. Mm-hmm. That's and I dealt in art. I met a man, a professor, professor from a, from Moscow University, and his father, stepfather, was a guy by name I can't even say it, Eugene Komakov or something. But he happened to be the artist that designed the set for the movie War and Peace. Pretty famous in Russia. Mm-hmm. So I started to buy his art and, and 
I kept some, still have it. One of them hangs in the chancellor's office as I give a donation. But uh, I was selling paintings. I, you know, I'd sold some paintings through Sotheby's. I'd got it uh, out of the States and so forth. And I thought, yeah, Don, you're getting pretty good at this. And so the uh, Russians has a high population of Russians in the Merlin and DC area. And so uh, I, uh, I entered some art into it and I didn't really need the money, but I want to go up there. They serve uh, hors d'oeuvres and so forth. And, you know, it's kind of a gathering. And they put a catalog out, put your pictures, your art in and your name in and so forth. And I thought well, that was interesting. I never attended another Sotheby's or nothing. I just did a contract, but just something I never thought about. I never thought about putting a minimum price into things. You know, it just never dawned on me. And I sat there and saw some of that uh, stuff sell for, I didn't lose my, I didn't lose my hide, but I would not have sold them for that if you'd have come up and asked me. And plus I ended up paying a commission on the things. But I learned from that. Next time you go sell something, put a minimum in it. And I thought it's funny, you know, because I, I guess I got confident I could, you know, I would make a lot of money. But I could have said, well, I ain't selling no more art. I, you know, I didn't, that didn't turn out good, driving, coming all the way up here and, and going through all that and, and then not making a bunch of money. But I learned the next time I sold some stuff, say, if this is what I want on it. If it don't sell, ship it back. So this Outwitting the Devil, I'm just going to show you this and let you – Give us the URL. The, the book is published. You gave Sharon Lecter the rights to publish it, did you? Well, no. no What's the story no, there? I got Sharon to edit it. To edit it. Edit it, and, uh, and, uh, and she promoted it. She did a wonderful job promoting it. She's not, it's not a joint book. It's all by Hill, except she puts her comments in, in uh-huh. her trying to explain it. And we said the comments stand out in italics right. so that you can read the book with her comments or without her comments. I've had people want to come and call and want to come and read the original manuscript. But, but you know, I said, just read the book without this right here. Now, I want to clear up one, one uh, myth before we end this one. The, there's some people that swear that Napoleon Hill died broke. <laughs> and you, you can bust that myth up, can't you? Well, I got his, you know, give me a good donation. I'll send him a certified copy of the will. His wife, and more than a million dollars. And, and just imagine what all these books are worth. And you see hanging on the wall a picture of his home uh, shortly before he died, sitting in a, a yard of a nice home in Greenville, South Carolina, with a, um, looked like a new Cadillac in the background with his little dog in his lap. Uh, so I, I don't know where people get the thing of his. I, I heard one say it. They understood he sold his typewriter and he typed on for 10 bucks. I saw that typewriter <laughs> in the next room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll put that in our little museum when we get it opened up here this summer. Now, you're going to open the museum this summer. Yeah. Now, we're sitting in southwestern, uh, in the Commonwealth of Virginia, in the southwestern part. We're almost in Tennessee. What's over next to us? Kentucky. Kentucky. So we're in the bottom corner here. And it's a beautiful part of the country. And, and um, you're going to open up another whole section of this building for the museum. Yes. And you certainly have a lot of stuff to see. Well, Give people the, the link, excuse me, the, the link for the website. Cause they it's, can, it's napheel.org. That's N-A-P-H-I-L-L.org. N-A-P- and by N-A-P- the way, you know, this, is, this, is, this, is, this is Hill's desk I'm sitting at. I see the picture right over there with him yeah, yeah. sitting at the desk. This is a, it's oak. It's a beautiful. It's oak hand-carved. Hand-carved. Appraisal one was $60,000. Um, but uh, he owned it since uh, in the 40s. He bought a home in uh, in uh, California, and and it's ha- it's in it. So he kept it the whole time. His uh, if you're looking at the video, here's the picture of Napoleon Hill at his desk. Um, the camera's up there, and that's the desk that you use every day, every day. 
Does yeah. some of that wisdom rub off? I hope so, a little bit of it. You know, his his, uh, his nephew, which is Dr. Charlie Johnson, Charlie, uh, Napoleon sent him to, to uh, medical school to become a cardiologist. He's 83, I believe, uh, maybe 84. He still practices. And, uh, and, uh, and he, he still refers him when we do, we, we've done well. And he's told me numerous times, said Uncle Knapp uh, would be proud. And so uh, Charlie actually used this in his distal a few years ago. And he told me he thought that it, it, I deserved this. So he had it shipped up here to me. We had to take the door faces off because you can see it's a it's, it's hand carved. It's, it's, no, it's no way it's a hand carved. Um, it's, it's, it's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. I, I found another gem over there. Oh. Um, this is an Earl Nightingale yeah. record. Earl was uh, probably the father of the development movement, uh, yeah, personal well, development. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So here it is, Think and Grow Rich. And at the top it says, anything the mind can conceive and believe it can achieve. Now, in this book, show us the cover. That's the original cover. It's, it's, it's here, too. That's the original cover, and it's a hardback yeah. book, and you can get it on Amazon, or you can yeah, get it on your website. It's on Amazon. They can go to NAPL.org and click on the Amazon, and they tell with the a picture, this is it. Uh, there's lots of uh, things out there, but this it's is here it. on your lapel. Uh, yeah, I'll give you one of them for you later. Uh, look at but, the top of it. What does it uh, say? At the top of it, it says, for men and women who resent poverty. This, this appeared on the first copies. Later, they was replaced it with 5 million copies sold, 10 million copies sold. But I went back to Hill's personal uh, book, which is on my shelf over there, and made pictures of it, it, it the cover come from and all. And we use exact uh, print, exact language. It's not even changing. The only thing is the print's larger. I, would have thought that I appreciate that. that. Books, that's for people like you. It's not that our eyesight's bad or arms are not long enough. Right? You so, got it. So... Uh, but it's much easier to read. Don Green, we're going to end this business uh, podcast. And uh, I, we're going to tell them everything. There, You have lots of unpublished stuff written by Napoleon Hill. And it's going to be released sequentially. Yeah. Then go to NAPHIL.org and find out. I just got one that's called Napoleon Hill's on the Air. I found an old canister. It had a tape from 1953, quarter-inch tape. And I had to convert it to CDs, and then I drove around my car listening. And I said, "That sounds good." And then I had to get a court reporter to transcribe it. And Grand Harbor Publishing, which is owned by Amazon, had been on to us for a long time, so I did a deal on them. It's been out two weeks, and I looked this morning; it's number one in business books on Amazon uh, already. And I've had uh, at least fifteen, sixteen, seventeen inquiries from foreign. Uh, publishers want to publish. That's great. We're 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 in, not in any particular time in history. Po- people listen to this podcast any any time. We're 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 almost in April of 2017. But uh, you can come back if you're listening to this at a later date and go to naphill dot org and find out the rich. You have lots of resources, and I think people that think they know about Napoleon Hill should go there. And there's courses and there's books. There's a wealth of information. Don Green, uh, you and I will never retire because we're purpose-driven people. And I, I've been inspired by our, our, our conversation today. I encourage you to follow up. Uh, and on the, on the page, uh, hubaloopodcast.com, uh, on the page for this podcast, make some comments. Let's have a two-way conversation. So, Don, thank you for sharing your gifts with us today. Well, you, well, I said, I, don't have, I wouldn't put an argument up with absolutely anybody, but I don't believe there's doubt in the world is I got the best job in the world. You do. I mean, I've traveled, I've traveled all over. I met so many interesting people like yourself 
and uh, people in, in touch with us. And I've seen the effect. So many young people, it's a, a, the number of lives is affected. You know, when I can get a sticker on a Friday and get a call from Bangkok, Iraq, from a man who said, listen, he said, I spent some time in the United States. I read Napoleon Hill, and I would like to publish one of his books. I'm talking about Bangkok, Iraq, okay? Oh, and gracious. I sold him. I said, I'll tell you what. I'll give you rights to book for $2,000 because I'd like to see it published. I said, you give me your name and, and address by an email. And I said, I'll get a contract sent to you. That was on Friday. Zane was working with me. I got the information. I sent it to our copyright attorney in California. And I said, Bob, here's the name. Here's the book. It's $2,000. It's five years. Royalties 10%. Royalties on ebooks 25%. Bob prepared it that evening. It was we got to it before we left on Friday. Zane emailed it to the guy in Iraq and told him at the bottom of it it says, Your advance is to be sent to the bank route number of bank so and so and so and so. So when we came in on Monday morning, we got a email from the bank that two thousand dollars from uh, Iraq had been deposited into into our account. Now I mean, you know, we get a lot more bigger money than that. But to me, that was just, I mean, it, it was, it's its hard to explain. You know, and I, I said, I had visitors come to Macedonia, bring me books that's been published in that little country. Uh, I've got a whole stack of audios back there if you want one on uh, Think and Grow Rich and uh, Farsi. I've learned a little. Farsi. in Afghanistan. <laughs> they speak F-A-R-S-I. Yep. Iran and Afghanistan speak the same language. That's great. But I thought, we'll at least have an introduction, and I'll take one in a car and listen to it. Not an English word on it. So I have a doctor friend who's a Iranian, and then I have a guy served on the board. His son works for the government as an attorney in Washington. He married a girl from Iran, and he's trying to learn Farsi. So I sent them a couple of copies. So the rest, they sent me two dozen of them. So the rest of them are back on storage somewhere or other. So you got, you're a person of influence. You're, you're playing out my theme here of uh, converting passion to profit because you you attract people and you're an influential so thank you for sharing with our audience today if it's if it is to me <laughs> it's up to me that's a good parting thought this session is sponsored by word sprint word sprint is really a mailing an authority mailing business they can connect with your tribe whether it's donors whether it's customers whether it's organizations they are first class printing operation. They print the magazine that I'm co-publisher for, Nonprofit Professional Performance 360 magazine. You can find it nonprofitperformance.org, nonprofitperformance.org. They also print our flyers and we stay in touch with a piece of paper that people can hold in their hand and it's followed up with an email. Hi Joe, did you get the magazine that I sent to you yesterday? Be sure to look at the article on page five. I believe it will give value to you. WordSprint has the most sophisticated systems for donor retention, for client retention, to improve your bottom line with the tribe that depends on you for information. Profit depends on maintaining and building effective relationships. WordSprint is the authority, the best printing, the best touch points, the best systems. Go to wordsprint.com.
and ask for a free appointment to see how they can improve your bottom line. Thanks for listening today to the Orchestrating Success Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes to stay focused on ways to redefine leadership and increase your profit. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.